want you to do me a favor. I want you to tell all your friends about me. Suck in the guts, guys. We're the Ghostbusters. I am the one who knocks. My dark passenger. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. Don't call me Junior. I certainly hope this little incident hasn't put you offline, Chris. If you strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Talking Geek. Welcome. Today's episode, we are talking about the 2019 film Joker, starring yes. Joaquin Phoenix. And I'm Danny. I'm Heidi. And we just... This is Talking Geek. Did we, you already say that? Yeah, yeah. Oh. This is Talking Um <clears throat> So this is a episode that we were doing um, sort of an audible on this. We weren't planning on recording an episode about Joker, as in you weren't even planning on seeing Joker. I did not intend to see it. I think I saw the original trailer and was like, eh. I haven't really seen many of the DC Universe movies. I've seen some of the big ones. I saw... Which ones have you missed? I didn't see anything in the storylines for like... Um, I think the only things you've missed is... The you villain-related kind of stuff. You haven't seen Suicide Squad, I think. I think that's the only one. Yeah, I didn't see that one. Which you don't need to see. And I didn't Nobody. see Aquaman in the theater, but I have seen that now. So I guess that's probably it. Yeah, you've only had... Well, and then I won't see Harley Quinn. I don't intend to see that. I have no interest in the Harley Quinn movie either. But anyway. But I... Joker. Yeah, so Joker, um, I wasn't that interested in it either. I'm the DC guy between the two of us. I'm Superman's my guy. Um, I even have my own centric Superman podcast, uh, a little plug for that, Blue and Gold. Uh, Superman and Booster Gold podcast, little little plug. Um, it's called Blue and Gold. Yeah, yeah, blue and blue for Superman, gold for Booster Gold. So blue and gold. Go blue. Um, it's it's funny you didn't even know the name of that. Well, no, I did, but for the benefit of all our listeners out there, it's always good to repeat. It, I've only put out a few episodes of that show. Um, I'm getting to be putting one out soon about the interesting history of the Action Comics number one cover. And for those of you who love our silly banter back and forth, I am not on that podcast. So yeah, just that's like. a solo. That's a Danny by himself. <laughs> um, so I was not, but even being the DC guy, I wasn't planning on going to see Joker, but because the trailers didn't do anything for me, being a DC movie, but not connected to any DC characters, not, not connected to Batman at all, really didn't intrigue me. It, Premise didn't intrigue me either. The trailers didn't do anything for me. And the fact that they were kind of ratconning the previous uh, Joker that they had in Suicide Squad, I was like, man, DC just can't stick to anything. Like, oh, that didn't bother me. There's a million. I didn't like, see Suicide Squad, but I just thought like, oh, that doesn't, it didn't sit right with being me. Being a, I'm surprised being a comics guy, like that type of stuff doesn't bother me. There's like, there's probably right now, like this week there was like the regular Superman comic published. The There's like a, um, there's like three different continuities that are like published just this week for Superman alone. Yeah. Um, so well, having, it's a story is a story, regardless of so what you had So it didn't bother before. me that Joker was, was sitting outside of the Jared Leto stuff. But the the trailer just didn't intrigue me. Being completely di- dis- me disconnected didn't intrigue me. But when the movie got released and, and just pre-release, you, you start to hear some buzz. I follow. I keep my ear to the ground with some movie websites that I um, that I like. And I don't read reviews, but I'll see headlines for things. And I started to see – very in, things that made me very interested in the movie. Um, things 
not such as things not talking about like whether how good the movie is although i was seeing stuff like that as well but that this is a like a lot of uh, comparisons to martin scorsese a lot of like um and there was a lot of controversy surrounding the movie in terms of its violence and this this um um i learned about the term the term incels um which is uh um shoot now i'm blanking on uh individuals who are celibate well it stands for um in yeah involuntarily in, celibate. involuntary in involuntarily celibate and it's uh sort of a pejorative term which is given to sort of like the underground of white males who are in the, like the um the dark web who they congregate and um some of some of our shooters have come out of like these groups of incels and people are were comparing like joker to incels and so you know, I, I was hearing like these scorsese comparisons and incels and um, controversy, violence, controversy, like these things, like this controversy, all or, and also acclaim that just made me like I was like, there's something about this movie that is 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 worth my time at least checking out. And so I went, and then and while you're reading all this controversy, I was maybe just oblivious to it. Like I had heard that there was some controversy about violence in the film, but I. I frequent different websites and things that you do than you, so I was just outside of all yeah, of any I of was that. Hearing like the movies takes on mental health and like just all of the the controversy and the acclaim all swirling around made me think there's this this movie's got to be intriguing if it's getting this much talked about and not necessarily just praise, but just this the controversy and there, there, there's there's probably something here. So I went and saw it and was completely blown away and then i came home and told you that you need to go see this because i want to talk about this movie and i don't really have anybody to talk about it with this is a movie that sort of begs to be talked about there's a lot um there's a lot of deep things going on in this movie and so you so went, i saw the movie so you so then you went and saw it yeah i i'm always up to see a film even if the initial trailer didn't intrigue me i tend to watch usually not all but most of the movies i get nominated for best picture of the year um, there's 10 now, now that they can go up to 10, I don't usually see all of them, but back when there was only five or six, I would yeah. make an effort to see all of the movies, even if initially I wasn't interested. Mm -hmm. So when you said, Hey, this is a, a movie that I, I need to talk about with somebody, go see it. I trust your, your opinion and your taste. So I did. <laughs> and can we jump into impressions or we? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I want to see like, what was like, did you like so, the movie? And I think it's worthwhile to say this just as a general off the top, we will spoil this movie. Oh yeah, of course. We, and we're not going to have a spoiler free section and then a spoiler yeah. section. Just assume <laughs> that we are spoiling the movie. And so if you have not seen the movie and you don't care to be spoiled, listen away. If you care about spoilers, then I would suggest go see the movie and, and then come back and listen to us. And we'll mention this in other podcasts too, but we're, we're always going to be a spoiler show because we, we want to sit. The whole point is you and I, a husband and wife, sitting down to discuss movies or comics or, or yeah, we're not professional. Or whatever we want to. Well, even if we were, were, we don't. We want to talk about them, and the only way to do that is first. Well, I mean, it's second way, but being able to spoil is makes the conversation enjoyable for us. Like not spoiling could make it interesting for. Um, those of you out there who haven't listened to the show, but that's not what we're going for. So who haven't seen the movie, or yeah, who haven't who haven't seen the movie? We so we're always going to be a spoiler. So if you see an episode titled that comes up, you know, in the future, Star Wars: uh, Rise of Skywalker, if which will be an episode, um, it will always be spoilers. <laughs> 
Always be spoiling. <laughs> Hashtag always be spoiling. So first impressions, and we have some show notes here. I'm just, you know, inside baseball. Yeah, so did Question you like it? One. So yeah. I already let's cut out of the bag that I thought it was amazing, but there was a lot of deep things that I wanted to talk about as well. But what did you think? What did you think? Like is a weird is, is a hard term for me to apply to this movie. It made me very uncomfortable to watch because the subject matter is very uncomfortable, but I'm happy that I watched it. That's a great point. Yeah, I I agree with you. So, it was a so great So like I, is hard. Do I like this movie? I like it love actually. I you know, I like watching Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movies. I don't particularly like being uncomfortable, but I also like to expand my horizons and I like to think and I like things I do enjoy things that can make me uncomfortable, but the whole time you're uncomfortable. That's so a great, that's a great distinction. I still think I would apply the label that I really like this movie, um, but that is a really good distinction between like recognizing. But it's, it's not a, a movie popcorn movie. Like you're not going to sit down and, and watch this to feel good. Yeah, it, it exactly. It's sort of um, the movie that comes to my head always when you think of that these types of movies is Schindler's List, where it's mm-hmm. a great movie. But I can't say I like. I can't say I like it. Yes, but it's it's a great piece of cinema. And I was mentally prepared for that, just based on you being like, "You need to see this so we can talk about it." So I could go into this movie knowing that there was going to be some kind of a think piece associated with this. When you went into it, I mean, you might have had something based on what you'd read in in articles, but I think I was probably better prepared for it then than you were, which would lead to some of that shock and awe maybe a little bit different feeling than, than I would have. But so, all in all, I would recommend that people who want to consider um, some social things, some, who, who want to have a thought piece or enjoy really good cinematography and there's some great music in here, I, I would encourage people who enjoy, I would say, well-made cinema to go see it. But it's not a story that's going to make you happy inside. So why don't you give some um, general impressions, and then I want to dive into getting into some nitty-gritty specifics, but why don't you give me some overall just general impressions of the movie? So general impressions, I, I like the the overall rise of the Joker. I like the, the storyline. So you have this, this man who, right off the bat, you understand that something's not quite right with him. He's got this, like, laughing disorder, and... and you know, I like how they're originally portraying him. I felt very sad and and I felt for him initially seeing him as like a part of the system. And then as he moved on and maybe made some poor decisions, then I started to not see him as much of a protagonist and see him more of an antagonist. But um, I really like the overall arc and I, I like the pace. It was a slow, very methodical pace up until the very end which I thought maybe moved a little bit too quickly, maybe in the, in the last 15 to 20 minutes of the, the film, um, with that final rise to Joker's power when he goes on the, the television show. I think that was maybe a little over the top or moved too quickly relative to the rest of the pace. But all in all, I think the film is very well made. I loved the way they interjected music into the film. Um, Joaquin Phoenix is fantastic. And I'm sure you you felt that way too. So uh, overall impressions, I thought it was a very well made film. I think it was an excellent script. I think the the third act might have needed a little work in in my mind because it it that pace didn't quite match up with the pace of the rest of the movie. But you have a two hour movie, so they could have made it a two and a half hour movie, I suppose, and stretched that out too. But I understand, you know, there's things that you balance. So all in all, I think it's a very well made film. I could see this as an Oscar contender. At least for Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah, I so um, my thoughts. I completely agree with a lot of what you said. Um, I definitely think that Joaquin Phoenix, although 
I haven't seen a ton of the stuff this year, but a lot of the Astra stuff doesn't come out until. Yeah, and there's, the there's end the end of the, end of the year. year push, so it's going but to be coming soon, I'd say. I definitely think that Joaquin Phoenix is going to be nominated or should be nominated for um, Best Picture or Best Actor. Best Actor. I don't know if the movie will be nominated. I personally think it should be nominated for Best Picture currently as of um, late October. Mm-hmm. Um, there's still Oscar movies to come out, but I current I think it should be nominated for Best Picture, but I think Joaquin would should be a lock for it yep but and i could see editing as something that gets fed into this as well like before, a best editing so before i talk about um some of my uh diving before i dive into this i want to talk a little um just about the um the filmmakers behind the movie um because you already mentioned great cinematography the movie was um direct and i don't know the cinematographer's name unfortunately but i want to talk a little bit about todd phillips the director it's this is not a movie that um that I would have thought would come from him. He's he's the director of the three hang the three hangover movies, um, and he directed this movie called War Dogs that I saw a couple years ago. But which was kind of it had Jonah Hill in it. Um, you didn't see it. It was a, the it was, cinematographer on this, by the way. His name is Lawrence Schur. Oh, I'd be interested. And he's credited with things like Godzilla, King of Monsters. Oh, he did that earlier this year. I loved Godzilla, Godzilla, King of Monsters. It got ravaged by critics, but. I thought it was a really good movie, so I really enjoyed it. I think this cinematography and also War Dogs, so clearly there's a, there's a relationship with that director. Yeah, I think that this movie looks and better. And the Hangover movies, actually. I think Hangover this movie. Three, I two. think this movie looks better than Godzilla: King of Monsters. But getting back to Todd Phillips, so this is a director who directs a lot of comedies or comedies that um, were fairly successful. The Hangover movies, which diminishing returns as those movies went on, I think, but. He's a comedy director. Yeah, but I think the script was as much associated with that as the films themselves. But so. he has a um, – but Todd Phillips, even his comedies, even The Hangover, they had this cynical sort of like dark quality to them. Like they're – and um, they, they had this like underbelly of like seediness. And they did, but they didn't have depth. No, yes, there, I agree. Yeah, there, there's that overall tone that – which he's, he's carried in and, and – made stronger in, in Joker, but Joker to me has a level of depth, which I know not all film critics out there agree. Um, we've listened to some other film critics podcasts that say there's there's absolutely no depth in this and it's pedantic and I disagree with those. Mm-hmm. I, I think there is depth and I think yeah, all the I way wanna... up until probably the last 10 minutes of this film, it has a lot to say about American society and culture and the way that we handle mental illness. I want to hear your... Um, the issues you have with the end of the film, because I don't think I share those, but we'll get to that in a minute. So I wanted. So just well, and I've said that a couple of times, but it's it's not. Um, it's almost it's almost like nitpicking, you know. Well, you but would, still, that's what we're that's what we're gonna do. You and I have been we haven't talked that much personally. Sure. Just, um, I just don't want to overblow that part of it and make well, make it seem like I hated the end of the film or something. No, no, I just want to I just want to hear because you've mentioned that in passing because we try to save most of this talk for the podcast and so but you mentioned issues you had maybe with the end and so I'm, I'm curious mm-hmm. I don't think I share the issues but so diving into the movie itself right from the beginning this movie says that it's going to be different it's not it says it's not going to be a DC film um, in the in the general sense it, it didn't have the DC logo like this movie doesn't say it's a DC film it doesn't have and all the DC films have their like DC like bullets that just in the same way like all the Marvel movies start with Marvel coming up, you know, like the red, you know, coming in. Yeah, this the red coming in. And this the... movie starts with an old school um, Warner Brothers logo, which has a lot of nostalgic feelings for me because 
I don't know when they stopped it, but I know in the seventies, Warner Brothers had this like um, this just this particular logo that's used on Joker, and it was used on my favorite movie, Superman the movie. So you see this the Warner Brothers logo sort of um, come in, and it and it um, it's it's a uh, old logo that's not being used, so it like sort of sets a tone right like immediately yeah. from that this movie is gonna have a tone that is trying to evoke the films of the 1970s and 1980s just yep. just from the logo that it's it's set in that era or set in that world and then you get into i didn't know this was going to be a period piece but it's set in the 19 i i don't know if it's the late 70s or early 80s but mm-hmm. it's it's a um it's set in in, in um in that time period and i think that the the setting in that in that time period i think sets it in it does a great job of of setting the mood because everybody like we I were, agree you and I were really we, we were we weren't even born um during this time period but we always hear about how bad well not we, we hear about how bad New York used to be and the seediness of yep, New York New York seedy there's there's and a level so, of civil unrest that so th- parallels is, what what we've seen in 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 that kind of time frame with people being willing to speak out and protest and I mean you get protests now too don't get me wrong but, but this 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 movie is set in Gotham City um Batman's Batman's Gotham City but it which really looks a lot like New York it really feels like that gritty that gritty New York and so I I really like that um I did and, too, and it wasn't something it it wasn't something that I was expecting at all. I, I, I wasn't expecting um, a period piece, and I just was. It brought me in right away. I like set a tone, and yeah, um, I found it very interesting to to see the period piece, even yeah. though it's set in this fictitious world of Gotham. It was enough like New York that I I liked that New York with maybe a little bit of San Francisco mixed in there too. It was very hilly and. So I have a, so diving in so Joaquin Phoenix plays um, Arthur Fleck so they give the Joker a name and Joker doesn't all usually have a name um, in the in the comics he's sort of the way you sort of think about the way you think of the Dark Knight where his background is his multiple choice and he just he, it's sort of unknown what his what mm-hmm. his background is but so this movie makes it very clear who he is it's unambiguous in well terms they of, they have to personalize him yeah so they have to. They they start off making him a victim of the system. He's this this man who is living with his mom in this shitty little apartment in New York. He has a social worker. He needs antipsychotic medication. He's working in, you know, what some might say is kind of a, a shit job, although he enjoys it mm-hmm. as a clown, interestingly. And he's just doing what he can to get by and take care of his mom. But clearly you can tell he's he has this mental disorder and – he gets the crap beat beat out of him on the streets of Gotham. I mean, I I really did start off feeling bad for him. It was very cringeworthy, like watching him get beat up in the alleyway. And I was like, man, I I feel bad for the Joker. I know this is a Joker movie, but like yeah, I feel bad for this guy. I agree. A part of me because is at first he's uh, doing the, the sign twirling, and I'm and I was and I had the thought. <coughs> excuse me, I had the thought. Why is he chasing down after this sign so? uh vehemently like mm-hmm. why does he want this why is this sign so important to him yeah they charged him for it i mean that that was ultimately what he came <clears> down to he was liable for that sign they took the money out of his check like he lost his job so that particular so job I'll, I'll ask you do you find him just taking the movie as a whole so like not like walking ourselves through our thoughts as we were watching the movie but just after the movie's over like do you find yeah. him a sympathetic character or a not sympathetic character just when you take the movie as a whole 
as a whole, I think he he is a sympathetic character <clears throat> because you see so much of what that that doesn't justify the the decisions that he makes towards the end of the movie. So clearly, there's a switch that flips in his mind, and he decides that violence is his methodology for escaping his own reality. But up until that point, um, even after he commits the murders on the on the subway, which is the the beginning of his his I guess a, assumption to power, one might say, I do think he's a very sympathetic character. When do you think he makes the? <clears throat> I agree with you that I think he's sympathetic. But by the end of the movie, he's not. But when yeah. do you think he? When, when do you think that turn is? Is it when it, when he when he suffocates his mother? Probably, yeah. I even then, I don't know if he's quite. Yeah, I think he turns at the point that he realizes that the lies that his mother had told. So I think he turns when he's in the, um, in the psych ward, and he gets that information from the clerk, and he realizes that the information about bruce wayne and his mother and all the stories there's there's still some element of truth and some lies i think as soon as as that happens he he starts to turn so i wanted to dive into that because then he doesn't know what to trust anymore you know and then you know it i I don't think it's solidified until he kills his mother and he enjoys the feeling and he realizes that he can get away with it and then you know that starts the you know, that might put him at the top of the hill of the, the roller coaster, and then the downhill really starts to get going once he kills his his fellow co-worker in his apartment. Yeah, I I think that, um, I'm on the same page, but I, I think that the turn is definitely like once he kills his mother. Um, yeah, but I don't think that would happen if he hadn't have gotten that information from the psych ward. But so like, like, that might be the trigger for him to, that, that enabled him to kill his mom. I don't think he would have killed her had he not gotten that information from the psych ward. So what do you think? Um, do you think that he is Thomas Wayne's son, or do you not? I don't know. It's hard to say. I mean, I think, gun to my head, if I had to pick one, I would say he was Thomas Wayne's son. Really? See, I'm, like, completely, like, I think the movie is like leaves it ambiguous where people can have different feelings like you do, but in my, but to me, like, there's some movies where... Take Inception. It, mm-hmm. You could think about the very last shot of Inception. Like, is he in a dream, like, or is he not? Yeah. Um, and so that movie makes me, even in my own head, feel ambiguous. Like, it's, it was made to be ambiguous. And I think, but I think Joker is made to be a little ambiguous. But in my head, it's not, though. I'm like, he is not. I think the movie, like, I guess. Yeah, because the, the movie is so grounded in reality. You're like, I, the, the, the reality here is that his mom is crazy. And I'm like, that, that. That's a possibility, but yeah, I sort I, of. The, I think the movie gives enough evidence that like his, his mom's crazy. Thomas Wayne doesn't know or want anything to do with him. Um, and I, I mean, I guess I'm siding with the conspiracy theorist. And he found the so he he found so I was I read or I um, heard some something about well what about the picture at the end where you actually see the picture of his mom and mm-hmm. it says love Thomas I think on the back of it. No, it's it's T W. Well, yeah. So uh, Thomas Wayne, and so people are like, "Well, where did that come from?" Like, if so, that's the the doubt that he's probably mm-hmm. probably is. That's that's the evidence in but, the other direction. But to me, I'm like, there's a few things. Like, I, I definitely think that she worked for him. I mean, well, Thomas even says that he worked for her. So yeah. I, th- I think I get the sense. Yeah, I, that there's I, elements of truth, but she's delirious. It's well, absolutely possible. I don't and, think there's that much truth. The, the and, truth that I think. Well, that there's enough truth for her to have previously worked for him, yeah. and for her to be. Um, as gullible enough to believe what he says on TV, which is I take care of anybody. I take care of all of my family and ever, and that's everybody who's ever worked for me. Like he says something to that extent on TV. And so she's like, he should take care of me. So, you know, that, that could feed into her delirium. 
Um, and so I, but I take the like the love TW as two things where this is where I think that there's a little, there's more ambiguity where I'm not sure which, which way I go on it in terms of, um, was, so I, we, we both think that she worked for Thomas Wayne at one point, yeah but did Thomas actually give her this or did she in her own delusions write love TW on the back of the picture? Like, was it her, did she write it herself? Or did Thomas Wayne actually write it, and so he actually had some affection for her in the past? Who knows? Well, and, and and that's the exact same question then about did she actually adopt? Because I guess my brain has a hard time leaping in logic of for somebody being able to go through the process of adopting a boy and then completely rewriting their own history on that adoption to say, nope, I never adopted him. I actually gave birth to him versus – physically giving birth and then having somebody who's in a very high and powerful position rewrite history in the documentation. And so you might have a different perspective than I do being adopted yourself. I don't maybe I don't no, know. No, that, that doesn't play into, into it. it at all. But I I didn't even consider that. But I so it's it's interesting. I don't think either like the movie doesn't I think you could there's enough evidence to say that where I can't say say oh no, I think you're wrong. I think you could be right, but I just feel like uh, for I, my takeaway is that sure, um, that he was definitely well, not Thomas Wayne's and son. And I don't know enough about schizophrenia and and some of those other mental disorders to to really weigh in on this. I mean, it's in my head. I'm like, is it really possible for somebody to have adopted a child and be so disconnected that they think they actually gave birth to to said child? And I suppose in in real life that's true too. But oh, I definitely think so. That's that's where the leap of logic I have difficult time with. But I I I know there are some disorders that are just that that bad. So, but and the other thing that this is a movie. So the, the other thing that um, I, this is less of a cri- this is less of a reason why, but it's still in my head. I'm like, t- um, in the movie, uh, Bruce Wayne is so young. I'm like, there's no way these guys are brothers. Like, how old is Thomas yeah. Wayne? Well, that that's one problem with I think the storyline and the casting is that throughout the movie they reference Joaquin Phoenix, you know, Joker, Arthur Fleck, as if he's a man in his maybe twenty, late twenties or early thirties. Really, and he's clearly very older than that. Very I much, thought, he's, like, I'm I, not bringing I, the, I, the way they talk about him and the way they talk about like how old his mother is and the time frame for when he would have been born or adopted. Either way, like. And, and just, like, how long he's been, been working or, like, it to me, they, they never say how old he is, mm-hmm. but they treat him or the way he interacts with his mother as if he's probably in his 30s or really? late 20s. But clearly, Joaquin Phoenix is not that old, is, is much older than that. So, like, yeah, if, I, if you just look at him versus the, the young boy, the Bruce Wayne, yeah, it looks like, how is that physically possible? But... I like how is it possible for him to have even been adopted either by his mother because his mother's not that much older than him either. So. And I took, I took it. I do think oh, I'm blanking on the um, actress. We've seen her a ton. She was in American Horror Story. She was in. Oh yeah, she's a great she actress. Was in, um, six, six feet under. Six feet under. We've seen her a ton. Um, but uh, yeah, to me, I feel like and I'm, um, that. I, I, my takeaway from the movie was that he was probably about 40. Francis Conroy. Yeah, Francis Conroy. I thought that he was probably about 40. He looks to be about 40. Taking care of his mother, because like, yeah, we, we see he looks him. to be about 40, but I, I feel like the way that the, the script is written, it's as if he's maybe 30. Interesting. Okay. Well, then that and, would, and so then that's kind that of would a plot hole. Yeah. Um, that he's younger, so the age gap between him and Bruce wouldn't be quite so big. Um, 
So one, one well, and, and part of what's driving that to me is how old his mother is too. Like, so one uh, piece of trivia and, is and how old Bruce Wayne is, or not, mm-hmm. not Bruce Wayne, um, the father, Thomas Wayne. Thomas Wayne. Yeah. One piece of trivia that I wanted to bring up is that the laughing disorder, um, was very off-putting, um, in the movie. Like, mm-hmm. it's it's very creepy. That's and part of what makes you so uncomfortable. I think yeah, if that element weren't there, number one, it makes the movie much stronger. If it weren't there, the movie would be much more i mean it's tolerable as it stands but that is one aspect that makes it uncomfortable it is it is a movie that makes you uncomfortable that's for that that's for certain it makes you it kind of makes your skin crawl um particularly in the moments when he's laughing because you just as if you were in public when somebody's doing that you want to like look away or be like man stop laughing already but i learned after the movie i I didn't know this going in but i learned well i didn't even know that anything about the movie so I i didn't know to look it up but i learned that that um that that's a real disorder that's pretty rare, but it's called it can it's called um, pseudo pseudo bulbar pseudo bulbar um, um, effect, and it's it's typically um, an, oh this actually plays into why I um, believe that he was that the the story of him being adopted is probably all true and that um, he's not Thomas Wayne is because um, you get that so he has this 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 disorder. And the way it typically occurs, I don't have the rates, so I'm not sure. It's very rare, though. But when it occurs, it's typically due to childhood trauma. And we learn in the movie that he had a, uh, you know, if you believe he was adopted or whatnot, that he had. Either way, it doesn't matter. That he had a, He still um, had the trauma. He had a step, or he had a stepfather that was abusive that would um, tie him, uh, tie him up to radiators. Radiator chain, chain him to radiators, and he was probably beaten. And so he, he has this disorder. And it's very – I didn't know until, uh, again, like I said, after I saw the movie that that was even, that that was even real. But yeah. it's – that is a uh, it's a way to get it grounds the movie well it's a, it grounds the movie. it's it's a way to get the creepy joker laugh in the movie in a real in a mm-hmm. real way it gives him a reason to be laughing so to speak and so because i didn't know i think the first time it happens right is when he was on the bus and he gives the like mother the card that says like i have no this. he's laughing in his very first um i think in the opening scene when he's meeting with his um social worker oh, yeah. he's laughing he might have, yeah, and you're like this is a really inappropriate time to be laughing because he's having a conversation and laughing in between very serious a very serious discussion and the lady's very straight laced like like she's been through this before in her first rodeo with him and, and so it's introduced very early on i was like what in the heck is like what's going on so one thing i want um jumping to a question because we had this question for each other but I was like, save, save it for the show. And so <laughs> do you think that he killed uh, – like, what do you think happened with the neighbor? Um, the na- So uh, he has the neighbor that yep. he – yeah, I just want to hear – Throughout I, the movie, we think there's a relationship. I want to hear your he's, take he's on got the relationship. This, we think there's this budding relationship. He meets her in the elevator. She has a young daughter. She's a neighbor down the hall. And he, I guess, reveals to us, or the movie shows us him them going on a date. She attends him doing some stand-up comedy. Yeah. and So how much of that – how much of – any of that relationship or any of the thing, anything that happens with that, with the neighbor character, yeah. How much of that do you think is real? None and of it. what do you think happened at the, um, at the apartment? So I think the movie does a pretty good job of showing you that none of it's real because they go back and replay some of those scenes and she fades away and disappears. I think the only initial relationship he had was meeting her in the elevator. 
I think that, and I completely agree with you. And then he did follow her. Yeah, I think I he believe that, and her. I think she did confront him about it. I don't think she confronted him. I oh, think. Okay. Be, well, I mean, I guess the movie's. Well, because I, mean, I, I don't think in the, the movie com- it was like sort of like a flirty. Co- yeah, I was gonna say I don't think the confrontation went the way it's shown in the movie, but I I wouldn't be surprised if she confronted him. But then that means she knows that he followed her, yeah, which I is don't really even, super creepy. I don't even think that I I wouldn't even think that she knows that yeah. she, um he he followed her. So so then it it, fo- it follows up with that scene towards the end where he basically goes to her apartment. He's looking for solace, someone to console him, and he goes in into the apartment and. She basically is like, what are you doing in my apartment? He's a stranger to her. I think that's like the big reveal. And then it cuts to him in his apartment and Sirens. No, well, it cuts to him walking out of the- Him walking out he and He walks into the hallway. Yeah. And Sirens are there or whatever. And so it's very so, ambiguous as to what happens. Mm-hmm. Personally, I don't think he kills them. Okay, interesting. So, and I, and I don't think that because his violence has always been, not always, I guess, but his violence was towards people who- um were mean to him initially yeah so his mother there's that history there the obviously the guys on the subway who were were bullying him and then even if you move forward in time to the he let the one um dwarf go Mm -hmm. his co-worker you've always been good to me he let him go i i think he had no reason to kill a neighbor (laughs) so and especially not the neighbor's child. I've changed my mind on it. I think, per the language of the movie, he probably didn't. But by this point in the movie, I was like ready to see some Joker carnage. Like you know, it's coming. You know that yeah, he's gonna. It's a slow. You roll. know he's gonna snap. So in my head, when I was sitting in the theater, I was like, oh, he killed him. And then this is okay. I'm like, okay. You know, you sit up, you sit up in your seat. Not that I was bored, yeah. but like it's like, okay, well now we're really getting like now. As soon as I saw the hit, sirens, that was my initial I'm like, thought the shit's too. Hit the fan and. The sirens made me think, okay, well, somehow if people heard noise yeah. or people heard gunshots or something and they're coming yep. and he did it. So actually, I take that back. I say the language of the film probably says that he didn't because you're right. Like people – the people who, who he does violence to at first are people who have wronged him or in, yeah. in some way. Up until, wronged him or bullied him. Up until that point. But then the movie sort of betrays itself by having the sirens there. And I think the, the sirens – the I sirens think, were probably – I think it's a red herring. Yeah. yeah, it's a red herring. If, because all other violence is shown on camera, what's the reason to not show that violence on camera? Maybe I, not the child, but even with the mom, why not show that violence on camera? I think they did it just to throw in the ambiguity for the heck of it. Not – well, the violence is shown on camera, but there's lots of questions. Like, you know, we we were debating, is he Thomas Wayne's – is he Thomas Wayne's right, son? Is but he, all violence was on camera. I mean, pretty violent stuff. It was all shown. There wasn't a single murder that he committed that we didn't see other than that question. This, this So I don't think he did it. At this point, I could go either way. I could I could go either way because the sirens sort of... Unless it's just a weird editing choice and they had him film it and then decided to cut it I for think, the sake of ambiguity. I think the movie is purposely making, making that point that take this as you want to. Like, we're going to put these... If, the, if there was no sirens there, then it... The, yeah. Then the movie probably is like he's he's only been violent towards people who have there, wronged there's him. There's enough that other point. ambiguity that I feel like they didn't need to put that in the movie. But they, they didn't need. It's I feel like it's ambiguous for the sake of being ambiguous. And we already have enough of that with the is he or is he not Wayne's child that I I don't feel like we need that part of the the film because she's like the one character who, at least in his head, is good to him. But I could go I could go either way at this point. Um, in turn, if I wanna. If I want to be a little bit more positive about his character in the movie, 
then I'm like, okay, well, he didn't. He didn't. But if I want to say, okay, this is a this is a sinister character who's been building and and that's he's 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 at a boiling point in the, and then if it, it it depends on sort of my own t- yeah my like mind like I could probably sit down like I'll I don't know I, if he was at a boiling point at that point. I think he was. Yeah. Well, in in my in my viewing, and the movie has a lot of like the movie has a lot of depth, obviously, because we can and there's a lot to take away. Like I don't think mm-hmm. the movie the movie isn't being so ambiguous that's like annoying the way that like people say that like lost was too <laughs> yeah. ambiguous but it, it has these thinking and it, and it makes you like sort of bring in your own thoughts like well mm-hmm. how do i want to feel about this character in this movie instead of the movie just flat out telling me it's like well how do like i actually really appreciate i i think it was a bold move to not to leave that moment so ambiguous that we could even be discussing this because you could either you, you want to make him more sympathetic? Like, it's filmmaking. If you want to make a character sympathetic, show him. Yeah, show but it, him, it, it ultimately doesn't – but it doesn't really change the outcome of the film at all because then he goes and he commits a bunch of really brutal, heinous crimes, and clearly he's the Joker. So, I, I, like I said, I think it's ambig- ambiguity for ambiguity's sake, and, and, and we don't need it. And that, Yeah, that's where – yeah, I think that's where we would disagree. I, I, I actually appreciate it. Um, but – so another question – so I'll ask you this: Is there's been criticism that the movie is that the movie there's there's been a lot of criticism about the movie, but that the movie's one of the main criticisms that I've heard is that the the movie's not about anything, and what's like he isn't even the the main he isn't even this character was driving like his his actions in the subway sort of started a uh, um, uh, uprising. Yeah, they started a but, movement. But this a political uprising. But he doesn't even want to be part of that uprising. So what is the message of this movie? What, what is this movie trying to say about anything? Does it have to be trying to say anything well, about anything? That's what can I'm it, asking you. Can it, can it just be telling a story? I mean, I think it's it's at least speaking to some extent about um, the care for those with mental health or the treatment of those those with mental health. I think there's some statements there um, about just the overall like care and treatment of people with mental health because he talks about the system and how the system's failing him and the social worker that he's going to is being shut down and he has all these questions about well where do I go and how do I get my medication and you know so I think there's some yeah some statement about that at least in the 1970s maybe not about the present day yeah 70s 80s and and there's been criticism too that like even setting it as a period piece that any message like like yeah it's it's a little lost it's lost because it's like well it's not trying to say anything about now it's trying to say something maybe about the 1970s but and, so, and then there's this political uprising as a result of his um, his his violence, but set in this fictitious world, I don't feel like that's really making much of a statement either. So for me, the, the movie really is about the, I guess, the, the dramatic change of one person from being a, a, a fairly decent but downtrodden man into a... Uh, a violent criminal who becomes a, a martyr for a criminal movement. But yeah, I, don't, I, I don't know that it's saying anything for me politically or, yeah, or I agree. socially. I would say, so to answer my, my, the question um, for myself, that I agree like, like, when I pose the question, like, does it have to be about anything? And I would say no. I think this movie um, um, excels at just being a character piece exactly i agree it's a story it's about a, a story man about this about this guy who sparks a, a social uprising and but the interesting thing is that the movie the 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 story we're being told about arthur fleck 
doesn't necessarily have to say anything, but there's a lot of stuff like in this movie. Like we could have a whole discussion. We're not going to. We could have a whole discussion just about the ramifications in the movie and in the world of the movie, just about that social uprising. Sure. Um, because it mirrors like there was like um, a real case in I think it was I'm, I think I think think it was New York. Like there was really like a the subway vigilante that. Mm-hmm. Um, in, so it, that it mirrors real life that I believe happened in the eighties and um and but yeah and he becomes this this symbol for the the movement unintentionally and he wasn't trying to make a political statement even then he was defending himself against bullies no no I'm saying in real life like yeah no I know I'm, oh, I'm, oh, 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 I know I maybe I you know more maybe about the you movie. know more about this I don't I oh, just know okay, it existed I, I about. but so the movie the movie itself the Arthur Flex character arc and and the, and the film we're watching doesn't have to be about anything it can just be a great character piece and so yeah that's what i would level towards Me critics too. at this um is that we're just it's a it's a yeah because critics are, are saying that there is no real identity because it only scratches the surface like it's it's not a political piece it's not a true period piece but it's, it's not about mental it's, health it, it's it's none of those things and i'm like it doesn't have to be I, I think even though those are subjects in this man's life that doesn't mean it has to be a a piece that's saying something about any of those topics what's super interesting is again all the ambiguity like all the things you can draw out of this like you could say it's none of those it's about none of those things or you could say it's about all of those things and, ma- and make an argument about yeah you could say it's, it's about all of those like, things and, you could and have, but shallow you could probably have a whole podcast series just about talking about the mental illness like you could, put, you could probably get three or four episodes just talking about the mental illness depiction of this film and like how does that relate to real life and same yeah with, but i don't want to and, and, and the same with violence <laughs> no i i agree that's why that's why i'm perfectly content thinking that it's um saying that this movie is just a character piece well and that's where i would be perfectly content saying that this film is not about dc's joker and and not thinking of it as like the rise of joker i i prefer to think of this movie as just one man's change from being like i said a, a man into being a a, a serial killer yeah I and wish, not think about it as being the transition from a man into a comic book super villain I wish this car- yeah I, would, I i don't see him as the joker mastermind he's to me he is not the joker as portrayed as the joker he looks like the joker and he's he laughs like the joker and he dances like the joker but he's not my he's not dc's joker in my mind because he's dc's joker is a, is a mastermind he's a he's a political thinker he's able to plan plots and outwit bruce wayne who is theoretically one of the smartest men in the world mm-hmm. and this joker is not that he he fell into this uprising and basically fell into that title yeah, it, was, I, it was actually given to him joker was was the name that was that the the talk show host gave him he didn't even name himself yeah i was um gonna bring this up too that i think this movie would be even stronger if it had zero, absolutely zero ties to DC Comics, other than the Joker I name, because I think that like the Joker, well, like, that could be easily changed to a different name. No, I'm fine oh. with the name being Joker. Like you could have a movie that's not connected to Joker, true, about a clown character that's yeah still called Joker. Um, but yeah, I, I, I would prefer if this were not. I don't think Thomas to Wayne needs to be in this. You could have a character where it's like, was there? There's like a wealthy, a wealthy philanthropist or or whatever, sure. like a wealthy person who takes the place of Thomas Wayne, but I don't think we needed Bruce Wayne in this movie at all. Like we didn't need any of that. I think the movie is, it's a still a very strong movie, but I think it, yeah. um, it just doesn't need the DC comics tie-ins. And I, th- I think I agree with you that they're unnecessary. At, at a very basic level, it's a very similar, um, I would say plot, plot 
not necessarily plot, but type of story as Breaking Bad. You take a normal man and you turn him into a villain. Well, I agree there. I, well, I th- Only you do it in a much faster pace, and, and then you apply this background of comic book universe dumb I wouldn't to say it. that he... Well, I, I, I know where you're going. He's and not I, your average I man. I agree with the analogy, true. but I don't think... I think he has problems. Like, he does. Yes, that's true. It's very different ex- than Walter White. Like, yeah. It's, yes. But... Um, yeah. I, I'm saying it at a very um, high-level comparison. So, question for you. We haven't talked any... Well, I we t- briefly talked about um, Scorsese a little bit at the beginning, but... So, what do you say... Like, also, a lot of the big criticisms of this movie are that it's just a Scorsese ripoff. Like, it's trying to do Scorsese, but it doesn't do it as well. And the big... The two big movies that people have been pointing to are Taxi Driver with Robert De Niro mm-hmm. and... Um, shoot. Um, King of Comedy yep. with... with um, Kings of Comedy, I Kings think of, it is. No, I know is it's... It? I, th- I think it's, it's King, King of... I th- I think it's the, the king of comedy, I think. Oh, okay. Um, but with Robert De Niro. So, full credit, I ha- it is the king of comedy, you're right. I have seen neither of those movies, and I don't care. But you've seen I, a lot of Scorsese movies. And, and I have. And, you know, I, I think there's a lot of emulation, and there's a lot of homage in the world in general. I can't speak to whether or not this film is is emulating or paying homage to either of those two films because I haven't seen well, them. I haven't but but I th- I am perfectly okay with drawing on influence from the movies of the past. I think there are enough movies in this world for you to say, well, this is a complete complete ripoff or it's a mix up of this movie plus that movie. You know, I think that's a it's a um, I guess for those other two movies, maybe it's it's a feather in their cap, but it doesn't. To me, it shouldn't take away from the merit of Joker in and of itself, even if it has parallels or similarities to movies from forty years ago. Yeah, I, I'm on. The, I completely agree. Like, I don't think I don't agree with any of the criticism I've heard that yeah. it's a it's a problem that it reminds people of Scorsese. Like, well, and personally, if a film critic is is dogging on a film for being similar to a very good movie of thirty to forty years ago, I think that film. I, I disagree with that film critic. Well, I think that there's not every movie is 100 <laughs> percent original. I mean, human thought draws on experience. Yeah, I I agree. And um, a lot of critics are saying it's it's not it's trying to do Scorsese, but it's not doing it as well. But I would disagree. I th- I think it's doing it very well. And even if it is, this movie does really have the feel of Taxi Driver. And um, I'm gonna assume I haven't seen it, but it feels. If, if people are bringing up um, King of Comedy, that's I probably should watch that movie. But just to what you were just – to your point, those movies are over 30 years old. In Taxi Drivers um, – So in- so just for, for um, I guess, comparison, since neither of us have seen The King of Comedy. came in 81, didn't it? Um, I don't know. My, the page isn't showing. Oh, 83. But the very first line in the synopsis, just for what it's worth, is Rupert Pupkin – Pumpkin, no M. It sounds like pumpkin, but there's no M in there. Is a failure in life, but a celebrity in his own mind, hosting an imaginary talk show in his mother's basement. So, like, there's aspects of of um of that in this film, but, but it's not the same. But even if it was the same, that's my thing. Is like, even if this was a straight up remake, which it's not, we're getting remakes now that are from movies of like ten years ago. Yeah, we're talking about movies. And drawing comparisons to movies that are 35 to 40 years ago. Yeah, with, with maybe a scene or two scenes that are similar to an entire movie. Exactly. Yeah, or just the general tone feels a lot. Well, like- and, and honestly, any any piece about mental health is going to draw a comparison where the narrator's reality versus what we're shown are different. 
And I think I don't think it was a mistake. I think Todd Phillips was trying to make us like I in the in the way that people think he failed. People said like a lot of critics are saying that he tried to be too much like Scorsese and it's a failure. I disagree. I think he was trying to I think Taxi Driver and King of Comedy probably were humongous in, inspirations and there were the huge drivers of this movie. I mean, they clearly knew what they were doing when they got Robert De Niro for the talk show host yeah. part. Like that was that was done intentionally to emulate and to and to evoke the feelings and Yeah, uh, did, they did it on purpose. Scorsese. And I th- I think it was a total success. I think that I would I mean, I'll Hell, it looks like De Niro's even wearing a very similar suit. <laughs> yeah, it's I think as that, Murray Franklin. I, I I guess all I'll say is that I think he, he set out to to emulate Scorsese on purpose. It, it wasn't like he was. Yeah. It wasn't like he was trying to. And all these comparisons came out, and they were out of left field. Like, and it was a surprise to him. I think he knew exactly. I think Todd Phillips knew exactly what kind of film he was making, and in my mind, or in I think it was a total success. That I think this is a great homage to Scorsese films and. It really does like watching this, like in the like the first third of the movie. I'm like, this feels like a Scorsese film. Yeah, and I hadn't even heard that much of the Scorsese comparisons at that point because I, I only, hadn't either. I'd only really, I'd only really read headlines or like saw because I was staying away from spoilers and things, especially ones I really got intrigued by the movie or sure. wanted to see it. But I really like even not knowing that this movie was going to be compared as much as it was to Scorsese. I'm like, this movie, like I had that exact thought, like this movie feels like a Scorsese movie. Yeah. And, and that's the thing is like Scorsese movies were drawing on films from prior to it. You know, every, every film draws, draws on techniques and, and stories from other areas and other genres from the past. Like, so I, I think I want to wrap up soon, um, but I want to hear your issues. I'm going to briefly, let me talk really briefly about m- my thoughts about the end of the movie. And then I want to have you just talk about your, cause I don't have, too many. I don't really have too many issues. I thought that the talk show scene was pretty awesome. The car scene was awesome. Um, him standing up on the car was a truly like awesome um, and unique. Was it shot. awesome? And um, I think the movie should have faded. Like when it fades out, I thought the movie should have ended there. Then it has this other this this other scene with um, the he's the Joker's been um, he's been put into custody and he's talking to a therapist in jail. And, there's a and it's not clear. It could be a shot in the past or in the future. Like, it's really kind oh, I of never, I took it as well, the future for the, sure. The I lady didn't. that he's talking to looks an awful lot like the oh, social I, worker. I guess I, I, I guess what's interesting is that's a point of ambiguity. I think that's that a I point of ambiguity. You don't I know where – I mean, the bloody footsteps, you assume, are make it future, like present day because he's murderous. But the conversation itself that he's having with that woman – you could take that as in the past or in the future because you know in the past he's been committed. I didn't. He- I didn't consider that at all. That, so I have to think about that. So I don't have time to really talk about that on the podcast. But I took that as just um, what the movie was telling me that it was. Yeah, that he's in been the arrested. Order of the film, straight straight value. That's that's how I see it too. But, but I think you could interpret <laughs> it differently. So real quick, uh, the last thing I want to say, uh, I my cap on the movie is I like the movie, but the last thing is that. I think it should have faded out when he was on the car, but I did hear something really interesting that does make me sort of appreciate that last scene a little bit more than I did before, where, because apparently, and I had forgotten this, but um, I read something that was saying, like, when the Joker is, um, or Arthur, is Mm -hmm. talking to the therapist and saying, like, he's laughing, and she asked, like, what are you laughing about? And he's saying, you wouldn't get it. I 
apparently, and I have to see rewatch it to make sure, but apparently that's being intercut with Bruce Wayne being like the scenes of the Bruce Wayne being shot. Yeah. And so he's finding like, he didn't even the movie didn't tell us that he even viewed this act, but he sort of just like it's sort of the movie maybe maybe yeah, saying he, like he him, yeah his dress Bruce, deserts with Bruce all Wayne, of this yeah. Or, um, uh, oh, I said Bruce Wayne being killed, didn't I? Whatever. No, like it was the, the parents, Thomas the Wayne and, Bruce Wayne's and the mother. Being killed. Yeah. So um, that sort of actually lends maybe some credence to what you were saying that like he had such um, animosity towards his father, if Thomas Wayne was his yeah, father, or he thinks he really that, was his father. That he took enough. that uh, he took pleasure in knowing that he was shot and killed, and like that's what's making him laugh. Mm-hmm. And it adds a little bit more depth that I hadn't considered to that scene that because it's being intercut. During yeah, the, which, during the Wayne's dying, which supports the argument that it actually is present day and not in the past. Also, if you take it that way, I mean, he's just he could be laughing about anything. Yeah, and that, that is how that I was, took it. That was that one per. Oh, uh, that was that. Well, I was gonna say that's that one person's take, but it sounds like that was your take too. I yep. didn't, I didn't take it like that when I watched it, but I it added some depth. So, um, I want to hear your thoughts on the end. Cause I don't have, I don't have any problems with the end. It's not so much a problem. It's just that the 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 movie is very methodical and it's very slow moving. And I mean, movies ramp up. That's true. So I I think the the part that gets me is just that he ascends to be the Joker so quickly. You know, it it all starts with that he kills his his coworker. Then he goes on set, and it's just like wham, bam. He kills Arthur Murray, and and all of a sudden he's he's got the makeup on and he's standing in front of a crowd and he's giving this monologue and I'm like the man was stuttering like crazy and having a, such a hard time doing stand-up comedy and all of a sudden committing murder has flipped the switch to make him um debonair and almost you know although he's evil he's, he almost has this, this air of of charisma to him it's interesting. It's, it's and, inter- and so like that part of it i'm like i understand that's the joker character but that's such a far change from the personality that he had before now yeah you could argue multiple personality disorders whatever but it just it happens so quickly and for 95 percent of the film he he's socially awkward and having such a hard time and he's he lacks confidence and then all of a sudden he's on stage and he's He's professing things, which the only other times in the film he's ever behaved that way is when it's been not real. It's interesting to hear that, um, just because I didn't have pacing problems and I didn't think things rushed. Um, but maybe that's because I didn't quite read it the same. I didn't take it that he was this debonair character um, at the end. I, well, he's confident. I mean, the the just the stairs scene alone with him dancing on the stairs with the cops behind, like behind him, he's super confident. All in, of a well, I shout out to that scene. I had it in my notes like that. That yeah, um, it's an awesome dancing scene. on the stair stairs scene was really awesome. Um, but I don't know how you would do that slower. I mean, the film needs to climax and end at some point eventually, and it would be anticlimactic to do that slower. I think I would be fine with it if it just wasn't he's now DC's the Joker, and if they took out – just take out all the Martha Wayne I and Thomas Wayne being killed in the alleyway shit. Just get rid of that altogether yeah, so and take out the DC part. I'd be fine so with it. My, yeah. But it, it just moves a little fast for me relative to the rest of the film. It's just interesting because – I think because I didn't feel like he transitioned into the DC's Joker, I felt like he was still Arthur Fleck. That, that I guess I didn't feel like it ramped up because I didn't feel it's. W- what I'm hearing is that you thought there was a um, a shift in his character that wasn't like really story driven or like wasn't wasn't earned. 
Yeah, um, he, they needed to make him the Joker because this movie is the Joker, and, I didn't and it's see DC's that, the Joker. And I didn't see that shift, so I guess I didn't think it ramped up just because I didn't see the shift. So I didn't, I could, but... Like, he puts that makeup on and is like, call me the Joker, and then... If you thought there was a shift, then I completely see where it felt set up for you, and that makes complete sense now, because mm-hmm. for me, I feel like he's faking it. I take it as like, well, not faking it, he is, I do think he's being a little bit more comfortable in his skin Mm -hmm. but i don't think he's super confident about it i think he's just i think he is becoming oh he's super confident when he takes out his gun and he shoots arthur murray arthur murray point blank in the head that's confidence it's kind of me like confidence i am who i am well it's probably both could be i that's and i also like well it could be mad no i think it's madness in his apartment when he with the way he kills his friend Mm-hmm. The way he like beats him, basically, that to me is most definitely madness. But just the the one blow to the head is a difference between mad. It's madness too, I guess, to do that to somebody. But to me, it's it's confidence in who he is now. Like he, after that murder of his friend in his apartment, he is the Joker I'll at that to, point. I'll have to think more carefully on this when I watch like it. He, he has a- made that decision in his head. I am the Joker. Because this is a movie I definitely want to buy. Um, and so when I, on a second viewing, I'll have to, I'll have to take that into consideration or see if I agree on a second viewing because I didn't have those thoughts or feel this confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, I think that's what, that's the difference. Um, so, th- um, the, there was a couple more things we already, that I, I wanted to shout out. Oh, okay. We just, um, in my notes, the stairwell dance is amazing. I also, I want to talk about real quick, um, the, just giving the movie even more props on the depth that you can take away from this. You can read things. It says different things to different people because take for, take the, um, the scene of him climbing into the, um, the fridge. Mm-hmm. I've heard on various podcasts, um, how ridiculous that scene is. Like, what is the point? Like it's, it's, it's really dumb. Like what's the motive? Like, what are we supposed to take away from that? But I also heard on a podcast how um, there, uh, somebody uh, wrote an you know, uh, email into the uh, podcast and was saying how much they connected with that scene because they, this, the, and the person who wrote into the podcast had been had had depression for their um, their most of their adult life and they're like it's so hard to convey just how you feel to other people like with with depression and seeing him like I just want to I have had plenty of times where the, the writer said of the email I just want to. Like I totally connected with somebody who just is like wants to get away from the world so much that they just want to get climb inside of the fridge and they're like I've never connect and they said that they had never connected to a scene or mm-hmm. felt a scene that like conveyed how they feel their mental their mental state and their state of dealing with depression like that single scene of him climbing into the fridge and I didn't take it as a uh, ridiculous scene I didn't as either some have I didn't but I also didn't put that level of depth into it either. Um, and so it's it, hearing how powerful it is, at least for that one person. And I'm sure there's others who feel that way where, and so even that, even that, yeah, once, I, I just took it as a, as a coping mechanism. I didn't find it to be ridiculous at all. Cause I, I have not really been touched by mental health problems. So it, you know, I, I, I took that at face value. I didn't quite know how to take it. I didn't know how to take it if, as a as mental like health a, issue or, he, well, he was like also, trying to like hug himself. He was looking for comfort in some I way also, and maybe being in, in an enclosed space would help that. But I suppose you could pick a closet, but yeah, I didn't quite know how but to. It's, a closet has a much less dramatic effect too. So I didn't know how, quite how to take that scene, but 
I didn't take it as a ridiculous scene as I've heard it no, criticized. And um, I just wanted to bring up that, like, just just the the ambiguity. Like, every scene in this movie could probably be picked apart. Like, oh, this scene's ridiculous, what's happening in this scene. Or, like, this scene touched me or made me think or made me feel a certain way. I, I, I think this movie has so much depth. I think this movie will be a movie that's analyzed for years. Like, um it might not it be probably a, criticized as well, you know, oh, oh given yeah, the other movie, movies. Yeah, and, um, yeah. But it's it's not a forgetful It's not movie. one that's going to have a it's, sequel either. A, like, it just so is. Many, I feel like there's so much bubblegum movies that I see these days. Mm-hmm. Like um, Hobbs and Cash Shaw. Cash grabs. We saw that. Not Like, there's so many movies where I, like, I see a lot of movies, but I feel like there's not that many that stick with you where you're, like, there's yeah. where, where you want to keep talking well, about Well, and you them. saw this movie a few weeks ago, and so did I, and we're still talking about it. So Yeah, this is, I, I mean... I, I definitely think it rises above um, the comic book the comic book genre. I think that it's I don't think I don't consider this in the way that people are like oh the Dark Knight is like the best the Dark Knight is a movie that like rose above comic book movies it's a great comic book movie I think this movie I think it would be better if it weren't a comic book movie I don't think I don't treat it in my own mind it's not it has connections to Thomas Wayne but or and to Bruce Wayne but well that's why I said I think it would be better if it weren't well I guess in my mind it's not. Um, I don't, I don't like if I, I mean, we don't, but we, it is, I mean, have, it's a DC film. It, we've, it we've is, gone, we've gone digital on a, well, but it they has don't, Bruce Wayne. It I has, think like, it is a comic book film. I think the film. fact that they don't even put DC at the front of the movie, I think the filmmakers are even saying like, sure, this is the Joker character from the comics, but w- we as the filmmakers don't consider this even a comic book movie. And I think that they did that purposely, yeah. but not put, even putting that DC at the front. They could have made a better movie then. I, it, it was all part of the marketing. It's Joker. So that people will go see this movie, but I think it would have been a better movie that fewer people would have seen had they taken some of that stuff out. But it wouldn't have been a comic book movie then, and people yeah, would not have gone to see it. Well, we'll end on that. Where I don't even think it's a comic book movie. I think it's it's so. And I think it is. It's so and that's far removed. Part of the problem that I have with it. Like we're right. We don't have that many. Like we only keep movies that have really cool packaging these days. Like any old mm-hmm. Blu-ray, we just throw in the. We will just watch the, the digital version or throw our movies in the um um what like just the, the mass case the the cases or whatever. Yeah. But were I worried to have a library of, of uh, all my movies and I was to categorize them, this wouldn't this would be far far away. This would be over in like the Godfather Scorsese movie area and let Marvel movies and Superman and Batman be in their own area. This wouldn't I wouldn't put this with the comic book movies. But a lot of the audience went to see this movie because they thought it was a comic book movie. Yeah, they thought that. I, I went in this movie thinking that too, but I was proven wrong. I'd say 90% of it is, but the 10% that isn't is what I don't like. Oh, like, I could, yeah. Like the Bruce Wayne, you know, scene at the end with the pearls and all that didn't need it. Oh, I agree. So I really anyway, agree. I think we're trying to wrap up, so we can leave it with that. All right, everyone. We will see you next time. Thanks for listening. You can email us at talking geekpodcast at gmail.com no g at the end of talking and we're talking geek on twitter